Welcome to this week's episode of Latchkey Movies, the podcast where we take a critical look at the movies your kids are watching without your supervision. Today we're going to talk about the 1992 A Muppet's Christmas Carol. My name is Sarah. I am the mom of a six-year-old boy. Wow, six now? Mm-hmm. Six now. Oh. Six. And I am Briar Harvey. I am the mom of a 19-year-old young lady. Hey, crap, how old is the other one? Nine-year-old <laughs> boy, three-year-old boy. That's how old they are right now. So I have to tell you this story. My youngest son broke his head open on our hardwood floor, and we took him to the hospital. And it's, of course, Sunday. I'm not in any way remotely prepared to go. Mm-hmm. We get up to the check-in desk, and she asks me for his birthday, and I give her <laughs> the other sons. I gave, So I gave, they, they were born in the same month. They were both born in April. So I gave him, I gave her the wrong day, right mm-hmm. here. And she's like, I can't find him in our system. I have the name, but I have a different date. Are you sure you gave me the right birthday? And I'm like, yes, clearly. Every time my kid <laughs> splits his head open, I lose all faculty mm-hmm. for remembering my own name. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I have this problem where I'm so used to giving my son's birthday when I go places, like doctor's appointments and things, that I like when I'm asked for my own birthday, I can't think of it. No. How old am I? <laughs> like, I have a birthday? I'm, right. I'm allowed to have a birthday and be autonomous and have my own information? What are you talking about? I will can't I just give regularly you my son's birthday? forget what year I was born. And, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Like, the whole... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My husband just had a birthday, and somebody asked me if he was turning 40, and I was like... And I had to, like, actually count it through, like, what the birthday was and when he was born and go from there and no he didn't turn 40 this year (laughs) but I second guessed it for more than like a second I was like does he turn 40 this year do I turn 40 next year no no we're a year off Mm -hmm. but that just proves how bad 2020 is <laughs> that n- none of us even know That we anymore. would have forgotten this was the year we turned 40. Right. And I did turn <laughs> like, 40 this year <laughs> because it's an even-numbered year. I was born in 80. That's mm-hmm. an easy enough, mm-hmm. but I, like, still, it, it's not really sunk in because yeah. of the nature of this year. I didn't get <laughs> to have a big party. I didn't get to have that over-the-hill thing mm-hmm. that you're supposed to get at 40. So I have no idea how old I am now. Yeah. I'll just be 39 forever. It's fine. This is how you really get to be 39 forever. (laughs) Okay. Christmas movies. This one's one of my favorites, y'all. All right. Laid it on. So this movie has a 76 on Rotten Tomatoes. No surprise. I think it's pretty well regarded. I'm a little surprised. That actually feels low to me. My guess. If I had to just, like, put together a hypothesis on this one, it would be that it's either people who don't like musicals or, like, Charles Dickens purists who just don't like that this is a Muppets Christmas Carol. Well, I mean, so there are some liberties taken 
with the original telling. <laughs> For example, we have a bonus Marley, which frankly just feels that much better to me. Right, right. But, but if you are a Dickens purist, I could see how this movie would pose problems. <laughs> so my husband's family watches this movie every year on Christmas Eve um, at the prodding of his dad. And inevitably, his dad falls asleep every time because they always watch it after dinner, which, like, okay, everybody falls asleep after Christmas dinner, right? Right. <laughs> um, but the thing that I always find funny is that because there's two Marleys in this and because it's the one that my husband's seen the most, we've had on multiple occasions conversations about how, no, there really only is one Marley in the movie uh, <laughs> or in the original story. Because, like, as we've watched, like, other adaptations, he'll be like, wait, aren't there two Marleys? No, no, no there's, there's not the two Marleys. There's only the one. There's only one Marley. <laughs> But, you know, that song is so catchy. We're Marley and Marley. Woo! Hey, that was pretty on key for you. Well done. And I love that it's the it's a Waldorf and um oh, the two guys in the the um box that always do the commentary right. are the Marleys. It's Waldorf and they're two hotel magnets. Waldorf Astoria, and... right? No, it's not it's Astoria. It's not Astoria. Gotta... Statler. Oh. So the Statler one might not be as obvious uh, to other people. Not as obvious unless you're familiar with... Because like, Buffalo has, like, a right. big Statler hotel. Mm. So, like, that's... that The fact that they're, like, hotel magnets is more obvious to, like, somebody who has that side of the knowledge like waldorf everybody knows the waldorf astoria mm-hmm. um anyways that uh they are the ones that play marley and i think that's great like it's perfect <laughs> like the casting in this is so good for so many roles if you know like muppets right uh-huh. yes it is yes it is i think Rizzo and the name just left me. Gonzo. Gonzo, thank you. <laughs> who plays Charles Dickens. Who plays Charles Dickens. <laughs> who gets to be in his own story. It's yeah. lovely. I, I I don't know. We've talked a lot before about how the they got rid of long, sweeping musical intro sequences. Uh-huh. And in, I really was noticing this morning... How sad that makes me. Like, in this one, you're it's nothing but the rooftops of London, yeah. right? Like, you don't actually see anything of significance. Right. And yet, it builds out the story so well. You know what's... Cu- I, I don't know. There's something about the long intro sequences that I really feel we're missing now, and I'm sorry they're gone. It's funny that you mentioned that, because that's, like, the first note I made, is that I always have a hard time selling my kid on sticking around for movies that start with long intro sequences like that. Like, I used to have to tell them, this is how movies used to be. Some older movies have this in the beginning. And, like, a movie like this that doesn't have, like, a very compelling for a kid. Oh, yeah, this is not a kid entrance. Um, And, like, as a, um, like, a, a comparison to that, we just watched Labyrinth for the first time, too, the same weekend. And that also has, like, a long musical intro, and it's David Bowie singing. 
<laughs> I don't know. I blocked that movie out. So. And um, but it's got like a a snowy owl flying. Oh, I and remember at least the owl. That, like that, like actually was something for him to watch during the intro sequence. Okay, yeah, I remember that sequence now. It was the stuff of nightmares for me for many years. So that God, was... I don't know why that movie scared the hell out of me. Oh, I... no, is this going to become, like, an episode about the labyrinth? Because we just watched it, and my son loved it, but will not stop talking about how creepy and scary it was and how it gave him nightmares, but he liked the movie. Okay, well, then I guess we'll add it to the roster for 2021, <laughs> because I would like to dive into why that movie was... There was something about it that hit me in just the right way that was absolutely terrifying. I we just just make 2021 the year of Henson films. I mean... We've just done two. We did <laughs> this and Turkey Hollow. So speaking of Jim Henson movies, this movie, it was made in 1992. Jim Henson died in 1990. I didn't go deep into the story of this one. Um, I'd imagine he had something to do with the um, development of it. Uh, but this ended up being directed by his son, and the movie is dedicated to him and Richard Hunt. So, I mean, Jim. it's dedicated to Jim Henson, not mm, Jim Henson's son. So we don't, thankfully, since we're getting rid of it anyway, don't really have to cover a lot of the cast other than these are all standard Muppet voices, Frank Oz, Jerry Nelson, Steve Whitmire, Jay... <sighs> goals it's probably goals i'm probably mispronouncing it and i feel bad sorry 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 dave um that's gonzo by the way yeah and like all the muppet people are probably screaming at you right now yeah, like I'm the sure. people who are into the muppets it's probably a super obvious one that we I, just don't know I, I just don't know i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry um the human cast really of note is just Michael Caine who plays the old capitalist okay so I have to say I recently read an article on Medium talking about how Christmas Carol is really just Charles Dickens talking about how bad capitalism is and really the only way to get someone of wealth to feel bad for their money hoarding is to torment them with ghosts and guilt. I mean, isn't that basically all Charles Dickens, though? Like, well, that, yes, that's actually. That's like the major theme. He had experience with that. Like, his father was in a debtor's prison, and that was his life experience. So that's just what you see in all of Dickens, right? You know, Dickens is really interesting because I would not identify him as particularly socialistic in really? nature. What? No. What? Maybe, maybe socialist, but not communist. There's, I mean, there's some overwhelming good human stuff, but I, in the same way, I don't think he really disliked capitalism either. It mm -hmm. made him personally a fair amount of money. I, I don't know. It, it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard tale. And it's a, 
it's kind of an uncomfortable one, especially this year, when we look around at all of the money being given to large corporations, while individual people across the world, but especially in America, are going hungry and we're throwing food. I, I, I just, this is, this is a long rant for me. But this is, what, the kids' palatable version mm-hmm. of A Christmas Carol? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's a... <laughs> I, I lost what I was going to say. Um, there's a lot of value in making the, um, the lessons of the story of A Christmas Carol palatable for children, I think. I think it's an important... It's an important story. Mm-hmm. I, I will say, when this movie came out... My father, the capitalist, hated it, mm-hmm. and I'm fairly confident he didn't like musicals either. He was a bit of he's kind of a bit of a Scrooge himself, anyhow. So I don't know which part he hated more, but I, I I think I took secret delight in that, frankly, because this has always been one of my very favorite Muppet movies. I think that's it's actually a funny way to jump into ahead. One of the things we usually talk about at the end, it's but would the kids actually do this? And the way that I interpreted that for this que- for this movie mm-hmm. was, do you mean would kids grow into awful people like Scrooge? And yes, absolutely. Anybody could grow up in the Scrooge, right? You know, this movie, in many ways, more than the book even, attempts to humanize Scrooge. Oh, yeah, a tiny I think so too. Bit. Yeah. And there's the sequence when he's in school mm-hmm. with the ghost of Christmas past, and he's not going home. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about how it's an opportunity for him to stay back and study. And we all know he's lying to himself mm-hmm. even as he's saying it. Right. So the the man Scrooge grows to be was forgotten and alone at Christmas mm-hmm. as a child. And that then we're supposed to take away as part of the reason behind his assholery. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that we get a clear lead in into how Scrooge becomes who he does. I mean, you get like... It has been literally decades since I've read this book, and I am honestly not a huge mm-hmm. fan of Dickens, so I can't say specifically that we humanize him more in the book, but I don't think that we really do. I think you're given, in the book, you're given more of the story of like how he had opportunities to not become the man he was. Um, you know, the, there's Fozzie, or, well, <laughs> Fezziwig in the story, Fozziewig in the Muppets, and Belle, um, are both, Belle like, in particular, but yeah. in, we get a longer version of Belle in the book, and mm-hmm. at every opportunity, she tries to make him see reason, and right. he goes, no, I need the money. Like, so... There, there's a very important part of that that um, my husband insists that I bring up, and that is that this movie is a musical, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's one song that's taken out of the movie, 
if you're watching it on Disney Plus, it's in the extras, and it's a song. It's Belle singing, and she's basically like pointing out to him like all the ways he's going wrong and how he needs to redeem himself if he doesn't want to like end up by himself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the scene. It happens right after that conversation they have in the snowy area. Mm-hmm. That kind of looks like it's by a pond, but I don't think it is. I believe I've seen that as an outtake somewhere or something. It's called When Love is Gone. Yes. Um, I, I think it adds more to it. We watched, He made me watch it before the movie. My husband is, like, obsessed with this movie, by the way. Um, it's, like, it's and it's all wrapped up in tradition for him. So we had to watch it before the movie and discuss it because he's very interested in the fact that that's the movie we're talking about this week. Um. <laughs> my husband does this stuff to me too like he'll quiz me all right what movie are you talking about because I too have thoughts yeah. Like... Yeah. so and originally he was like I really feel like the song adds a lot to the movie and like makes you understand like where you know Scrooge went wrong and had chances to not become the person he was and then after we watched the movie it's like you know maybe they do like address it enough in the conversation they have before where the song would be that was taken out so is there a part in the original story where something happens with Fezziwig where he was supposed to be given something by Fezziwig and he doesn't or isn't Belle Fezziwig's daughter I feel maybe I'm just completely wrong there. You want to know what I'm upset about in terms of Fezziwig? <laughs> Sam Adams every year releases. <laughs> stay with me here. Sam Adams every year releases a holiday 12 pack, and it's two of six different beers. And um, there's a few in there that are only released in that pack. And one of them is Old Fezziwig Ale. And it is my favorite Christmas beer. And it's the only reason I buy Sam Adams all year. And I have to get suckered into buying 12 of them to only drink two. Well, this year, they didn't put it in the pack. There is no Old Fezziwig anymore. It doesn't exist this year. And I have to say, if there's, like, one more thing 2020 can take from me, did it have to be Old Fezziwig Ale? Sam Adams. My I held it over. together <laughs> for so long, but I could just see where this was going because so many like <laughs> sub brands or specialty items are gone now. Yeah. And I keep seeing this crop up in my feed, but it's an it's a legitimate point of grief, right? I'm stuck at home this year. Right. If I was going to embrace, like, special anything, this is the year to embrace it. But no. This would have been the year that Sam Adams should have released Old Fezziwig as a 12-pack because people would have lost their minds. But instead, they just didn't release it at all. They just didn't release it at all. And people are losing their minds. embraced the austerity measures... Which is I don't think the beer take. industry is struggling. I'm fairly confident the beer industry also got bailouts. Oh, I'm sure they did. But like I I know I'm drinking more than I ever drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one so I have I I started drinking pretty heavily at the beginning of the year. And I was like, this is a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. 
And then it became an everyday coping mechanism. And I was like, okay, well, I think I need to be done with this for a while. So I bought myself very terrible, you know, bad alcohol, and that's what's in the house. So if I have to drink something, like, it's here. (laughs) But... Like if your kid kid cracks his head open on the oh, floor. Oh yeah! Th- in fact, <laughs> you can still have a glass of wine. Exactly. But if you're just sitting around watching a movie, it's not compelling I'm not enough. Gonna, it's glass not, I'm of probably wine. not going to go for it because <laughs> it's not the wine that I want. Right. It's not the alcohol that I want. But man, I don't think the beer industry is probably having problems this year. So, bring back old Fezziwig. There you Damn go. Damn it. <laughs> anyway, okay. back to the movie. Um, no, we don't talk about the movie anymore. It's fine. Oh, okay. It's fine. <laughs> um, I just want some of my notes about this movie beyond, like, it's hard for my kid to get into movies with long entry- intros. I love Michael Caine as Scrooge. This is the Scrooge I think of when I think of Scrooge. Um, Far better than the terrifying Jim Carrey Scrooge. But also, I can't see this movie as a musical and not think of the ridiculous production that's being staged in the movie Scrooged. Have you ever seen it? Yes. Yes. Of course. (laughs) Murray, um, that's a classic. And it's like they're producing this, like, ridiculous live staged version mm-hmm. of Scrooge or A Christmas Carol Love and like every time I think of this movie as a musical version of A Christmas Carol I can't help but think of like has it crossed the line into Scrooge territory <laughs> <laughs> I think I gotta say Patrick Stewart will always be oh, but that's, my favorite Scrooge but there's a but that's lot like of, a newer one right well, like that's and, within right, like the last that, five that years that is newer and there's also bias there because I have had a love affair with Patrick Stewart since I was a small child <laughs> and his bald head did things to me. So <laughs> I just really like the transformation that Michael Caine um, yeah. imparts on Scrooge in this version of the movie. You know, or a story. <sighs> he certainly gets. The, yeah, transformation is the right word. He clearly regrets. He feels badly. Remorse happens. He buys a turkey and we celebrate. I mean, there's only so much you can do for kids in a musical. But that whole sequence at the end there really Mm -hmm. does show progression. Mm -hmm. Um. And I really like the way that this movie is able to work in the comedic elements, like, to keep it from being, like, as depressing as it can be. Like, there are some seriously depressing versions of this, right? Like, well, wasn't this there is just not a recently... great story. Right. Wasn't there, like, was it TNT last year did a version with, um, uh, was it Guy Pierce Or, no, Guy, the guy from Memento. Um... Well, that would be Guy Pierce. Okay. It? Let me fact check I'll, I'll this. It is Guy Pierce. Okay. From Memento, but is he? Yeah. So he was in a version of the Christmas Carol last year that was on. I think it was TNT produced it, and that is supposed to be like a very dark version of 
A Christmas Carol. I mean, it has Andy Circus as the ghost of Christmas past. Oh, Jesus. So. <laughs> I like that there's comedic interludes in this one. And I, I mean, obviously it's the Muppets. You can't go like straight drama. No, but I think it's an important point, And it's one that I personally come back to over and over in my life. And that is when we are looking at serious issues and trauma and systemic problems like oppression or financial crises, it gets very overwhelming. It's very heavy. And the only way to get through that is with a little bit of laughter. And I think... To, like, relate that to what's going on in the world right now, I think that's probably why you see the success of something like TikTok just, like, blowing up. Because mm-hmm. it's a way to, like, escape from the heaviness of the rest of the day, right? Mm-hmm. And so Rizzo and Gonzo are a way to, like, kind of escape from the heaviness of what is being shown to Scrooge and so many turns. I like it. I and like I think this it's movie. Important. <laughs> I think it's important too. It's you very know, important. If you're going to keep kids watching, it's absolutely important. I think comedy as an art form is kind of under fire right now. It. it uh, so okay, this is a slight segue, but oh, don't! How dare you go? How dare topic? I? At this point, <laughs> to, okay, y'all heard of Clubhouse? No. Okay, it's an iPhone app that was started in, like, March by some Silicon Valley darlings. It was created as a way for people to get together and have conversations while the pandemic was going on. It's audio only. There is no video. There is no text function. It is audio only. So... It's invite only, too, which, if you remember the early days of, like, Gmail, Mm -hmm. really helps to draw the attention to it. And because it was venture capitalist-backed, it fairly quickly started gathering attention from Hollywood elite types, right? So now we have actors and athletes... And in particular, a lot of people in the music industry, especially Mm hip-hop, all hanging out on this website called Clubhouse. I've literally not heard of this before right now. It's very interesting how... But you said it's Apple only, right? It's Apple only, so it would not have attracted your interest Mm -hmm. because you are not Apple. But trust me, if you own an Apple, you know about Clubhouse and you desperately want an invite. For months, I have desperately wanted an invite. So I got one Mm -hmm. this month. Well, now it's December, so I got one in November. And there... I was, Baby Briar. I've been on Clubhouse for about a week. It seems cool. There are celebrities everywhere. And I go into this room called, Is Kevin Hart Funny? (laughs) And guess who shows up in the, 
is Kevin Hart Funny Room. Is it Kevin Hart? Why, yes. <laughs> yes, it is Kevin Hart. And let me tell you, that went exactly about as well as you would expect it to go. Why am I not go. hearing about this? Why are you telling me? Why isn't the internet telling me about this? I, I don't know. I don't know. There does seem to be an unspoken... What happens in Clubhouse <laughs> stays in Clubhouse, kind of, because there are, it's not recorded. It very specifically, if you record and you don't inform mm -hmm. the room that you are recording, you will be booted from the app. They are very strict about recording policy, using it for podcasts. Like, that's fine if you want to, but you have to disclose every time somebody comes to the stage. They have very clear policies. And in other ways, it's actually a really cool app. So when you first join, you're welcomed. Like, there's a, your friends can host a little room for you and say hi and how are you. The founders come every Sunday and have a town hall where they tell you what's going on with the app. There are volunteer people who are not employees who do new people things where they'll hold seminars. This is what you need to know to get the most out of the app. It's very fascinating culture-wise. I really, really like it. Even when Kevin Hart shows up into a room called, is Kevin Hart funny? So the whole point there was when we are talking about comedy, it's very difficult to have conversations about what the comedy means when the comedian himself is apparently in the room. And I know it's Kevin Hart and he was going to be defensive anyway because it's Kevin Hart. But I, I, as a comic, as someone who tells jokes, I know this personally. We get very attached to our material. So it's tough for comics right now because comedy is under so much fire. And we are having a lot of discussions about what's appropriate to tell jokes about. But I think that in those conversations, we're missing how telling jokes about things that are often inappropriate is how we go on to have this conversation about the greater issues mm -hmm. in the end. And movies like this for our children mm -hmm. do the exact same thing. Right. We can have, I can have conversations with my nine-year-old about what giving and generosity and charity means in a way that he understands mm -hmm. because Kermit the Frog was there. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I, I think it's a very important um, stepping stone into the greater world of empathy and understanding. I think so. Now, and not just you... maybe this movie in particular. Like, I don't no. say you have to watch this movie or your kid is going to be a sociopath. I mean, in general, consuming media that is at this level is important for kids. The more conversations you can encourage your children to have mm -hmm. with you personally mm -hmm. as the parent the more likely you'll be able to go for it. So 19-year-old young lady now 
who comes to me with very adult topics like politics mm -hmm. and and it's an honor and a privilege to be able to answer those questions or to have those conversations with her. I would not be having those conversations with her if I had not started having the conversations with her at this age mm -hmm. with <coughs> this material encouraging the subject. So, right. Yeah. I mean, you're not... We are definitely like people who allow our kids to consume media. Um, and we try to do it in a smart way and in a beneficial way. And I think that this is one of the smart and beneficial ways that you can consume media with your child. That doesn't mean my kid doesn't watch garbage because my kid absolutely watches garbage. But, like, I try God, to temper that with... my kid watches Zebra Gamer. If that's not garbage... <laughs> I don't know what is. And it's like my main bargaining chip, too, Zebra Gamer. Oh, like, yeah. I can, it's the I thing can... that gets taken away first. And it's the biggest, like, you got to do your thing or there's no Zebra Gamer. <laughs> it's Roblox for us, but it's it's all the same. It, mm -hmm. they're, they're all digital bargaining chips. It's mm -hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have not talked about the soundtrack yet, and I am sure you are dying to do so. Uh, only just to say that I love this soundtrack, and it's one of our Christmas mainstays when we're listening to Christmas music. It is Like, really there's only good. one more sleep till Christmas? Come on! That's an iconic song. It really is. It's so good. I, I'm going to guess that you're going to know exactly what I'm rating this movie. I, yeah, I know what you're rating this movie. <laughs> I, I know what you're rating a musical mostly before we even start reviewing, <laughs> if I'm being perfectly honest. Like, it has to be a bad fucking movie for you <laughs> to give a musical less than five stars. You're right. You're I know. right. I know. That's fine. <laughs> But it is, it is a really good soundtrack, and it does, I like that it's Christmassy without being about Christmas, and I don't, so we're weirdly not secular, but there is a lot of Christmas music that if you investigate it, is... Oh, yeah. Weirdly racist. Oh, sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Jingle bells. Look that one up, y'all. You'll be eternally disillusioned about jingle bells for the rest of your life. And I can listen to these songs and not feel any weird kind of... Right? Right? Mm-hmm. And they're they're sing alongable. They too. are sing alongable. They're catchy tunes. They're um, enjoyable. They're fun. <clears throat> okay. Do we have any notes on the Can we talk about the ghosts? Yes, let's talk about the ghosts. The ghost of Christmas past is terrifying. Because it's yes, that weird child. Her face thing. is weird. Yeah, I don't like it. They should have made that a human being, not a Muppet. 
That's the thing I have a question about with the Muppets. When do they decide when a Muppet is a human? Because there's a couple of human Muppets, Mm -hmm. and they're always weird to me. Mm -hmm. Why not just have those be real humans? Because, like, obviously you've, like, drawn some kind of line on when a human is a human and when a human is a Muppet, but I don't know what it is. What is the line? You might be overthinking this one. (laughs) Well, I just... it is a realistic question. Like... Are we living in a world where Muppets and humans coexist? That's kind of always the general assumption with Muppet movies, right? That we all kind of coexist together and the, the humans don't set the Muppets on fire, which is somewhat suspect to me because (laughs) like the humans... Some of them are terrifying. I, well, and... The humans that are actually in the real world that we're dealing with, they, like, they'd be setting these fuckers on fire, right? That, that's, just, <laughs> that, that's how that They are abominations. Exactly. They are abominations, <laughs> and we should kill them all. Just like we did all of the other... I read this fascinating theory. We talk about the Uncanny Valley a lot, so mm-hmm. I just have to tell you... I read this fascinating theory that the reason that the Uncanny Valley exists is that it is a leftover remnant of us killing all of our other humanoid-type okay. subspecies. Okay. That, I see that. I, can, that I, I get where you're coming from there. Right, right. That we found Neanderthal and the Denisovans and the Hobbits, mm-hmm. that we found them so repellent mm-hmm. That we developed a mechanism that we now call the Uncanny Valley that allows us to recognize when we are not looking at humans. And I think the the article I was reading about this uh, likened it to that, which I actually haven't seen, the movie Us, Jordan Peele's Us. Yeah. But apparently that's the reason that movie is so terrifying is because you can't. Yeah. Tell the difference between the doppelgangers and the humans. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Okay. But but there we go. The Uncanny Valley allows us to kill all the not humans. Okay. It seemed legit to me, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. Like, yeah, that seems like something humans would do, actually. <laughs> all um, right. Yeah. Also, I love... This is my favorite ghost of Christmas present. He's so yes. jolly. He's my favorite. I the love hair. him. But he's also a human. human. Also right? human, exactly. Yeah. But I am okay with it because he's a giant like Hagrid. Right, it's fine. <laughs> Even when he's shrunk down, he's still very giant and jolly yeah. and yes. So then... One of the things I always forget about all the different adaptations of A Christmas Carol is which ones have the terrifying children under the robe of the ghost of Christmas future. You know, this one doesn't, until right? you said that, I had forgotten that that was a thing, and now I'm going to have nightmares about it. <laughs> this one doesn't, it, though. No, this one doesn't. There are no terrifying children. And I forget what the 
terrifying children represent, but they represent something. Uh, he I explains, don't like, this is whatever, and this is this other terrible thing, like war and pestilence or something. It's not that, but, like, It's not that, lines. but it's something like that. I can't remember. Like I said, <laughs> 20 years, Dickens, not, 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 not one of my favorites. <laughs> and it's not even because it's old, because there are quite a few classics that I will read and enjoy, but Dickens was a little heavy handed with the allegory as if you can't tell. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I'm sure that this is a thing that has been talked to death, but I will always wonder how a pig and a frog end up with children who are pigs if they're female and frogs if they're male. I also think you may be overthinking that. (laughs) But I do not want to know what their children would look like if if they were were... right. (laughs) Like, that's how we get the creepy Muppets, y'all. That's. You're right. Just let them be. Just let them be pigs and frogs. Okay. Thank you very much. I'll give it to you. So. What Muppet is your favorite Muppet? It doesn't just have to be a Muppet from this movie. It could be an all of Muppet canon. So, this is interesting. I I, I keep, like, he keeps popping up in my brain, and I'm like, no, you're not my favorite. And then he keeps popping back up. He lives rent-free in your brain. So, apparently, he does live rent-free in my brain, and that would be Grover. Grover. Okay. Okay, I like Grover. Grover's a good choice. He's he's a good solid Yeah, solid blue Muppet monster, yeah. right? Near yeah. and far. And and that is the one that lives in my yeah. head. <laughs> Near. And then and far. <laughs> my favorite Muppet forever and always will be Bean Bunny. Oh. Bean Bunny. He is the boy that Scrooge gets the turkey. Gets to go get the turkey. Oh. I freaking love Bean Bunny. I would like Bean Bunny to be my my pet. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to own Bean Bunny. <laughs> so, well, now I need to know. Does Bean Bunny, because, like, n- I, yeah, I he know comes who up you're in talking about, stuff. but he's, yeah. he's a sub- He's a side character. He is not a hot. He's not a main, but he is in things other than this. But he is in other things. Okay, yeah. now I have to. Now I'm gonna be on a Bean Bunny hunt <laughs> when I go and watch other Muppet products because I will tell you. So we're 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 a little early. I had not watched this movie. In a couple of years. Okay. Apparently I had not watched this movie since Al had died, since my son had died. Okay. Because this one was like a five-bell weeper this Mm -hmm. time around. Watching Tiny Tim sing. The second time through, I actually had to skip past it. Mm -hmm. And then the sequence in the house when he's gone when he's gone mm-hmm. I cannot express how much that d- 
did me in, and I was surprised. Well, you know, there's a surprising amount of emotion that is expressed by Kermit and Miss Piggy in that scene. Oh, from yeah. From Muppets. Oh, yeah. Who don't necessarily emote. Right. Which, I mean, I think that's why this was so, uh, why I was so surprised. You weren't expecting By how it, it yeah. hit me. Because I wasn't expecting, I, I mean, like, I knew it was coming. I right. know this story. I, I was not expecting how raw mm-hmm. that was going to feel to me from Muppets, mm-hmm. which I think ultimately is a credit to them and the work and right. everything that Jim stood for, right? Mm-hmm. I agree. I just think this is like the perfect Muppet movie. It really is. It is my favorite Muppet movie. The Muppets Pie... What is... I can't remember. <laughs> Muppets Treasure Island is good, but not as good. And I kind of wish Muppets would go back to doing that, like making classic stories yeah. again. It you know, be because, neat. like, how much do I know of Treasure Island because of the Muppets? Not because I've read Treasure Island and not because I've watched Treasure Planet, but because of the Muppets, I know Treasure Island. Right. And this one here specifically is the reason that I was willing to plow through Dickens mm-hmm. in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was a teenager, and but... Th- because this movie came out in 92, so I was 12, so it became very fundamentally canon for mm-hmm. me at Christmas time, at the holidays, and yeah, I think I was 14 or so when I decided I should read this. Right. That would never have happened without this movie. No. Never. mm because while I was still reading classics at that point in time, <laughs> Dickens is a slog. It's not, it's not, the prose in Dickens isn't No, it's fun. really, it's not. It's not an easy read. And I would not have voluntarily, but, but the story is important. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, honestly, I think most Dickens is probably... There, it's all more or less the same. You read them, you read one, you read them all. Mm-hmm. So this one is the one that you should read and take in and internalize, mm-hmm. and it's still a difficult read. Yeah. So, but I. But I mean, I, I think beyond um, the story of it being about how. Um, the haves need to not forget about the have-nots. I think one of the biggest takeaways from it, for at least kids, is that it's never too late to change. Like, you can change. Right? Yes. Not that people will change, but But that that you you personally personally can can grow and be better and change. And I think, for me, personally, that is indeed a powerful lesson. It's one of the most important... Like, that is... Honestly, that's the thing that I judge my willingness to spend time with other humans on. Mm -hmm. Are you willing to grow? 
Are you willing to admit when you could have been wrong? Are you willing to say, hey, no, I fucked that up. I'm sorry. Growth, change, progress, those are the things that make humans remarkable. Right. But you actually have to do it. I think 2020 has been a very interesting year in the sense that for so many of us, we were forced, whether we wanted to or not, to really have to dig into that deeper internal work. We had, I mean, because I look at my life, which the day-to-day has fundamentally not changed that much. I miss my coffee shop. I miss speaking at events. The reality of my day-to-day is exactly the same as it was before. And yet, I've really had to spend a lot of time processing what, who I am, Mm -hmm. what I do, how I can make a difference in the world, what that means. It's been, it's been a very big year for growth for a lot of people I've seen, or it's been total and utter stagnation Mm -hmm. to the point of regress in Mm -hmm. some cases. Now we've talked before about the conspiracy theory mm-hmm. and QAnon types, that's a regression. Right. Not only is that an unwillingness to change and grow, mm-hmm. it is an unwillingness to accept that other people can right. change and grow. It's a time, y'all. It's a it's time. It's something. It's a something. What I uh, is that we have to have the conversations. You, me, everyone else, we come back, we keep having these conversations. Mm-hmm. That's what we got. And that's what why we do this. Mm-hmm. Also, because it's fun watching kids' movies. Yes. Still? Is it still fun watching kids' movies? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it got fun again. It became fun again. It did become fun again. There we was struggled a period a there where it was like, oh my God, do I have to? But it's fun again now. Yeah, I would say it's fun again now. Hopefully everybody at home thinks it's fun again now too. Okay. Well, I mean, Halloween costumes or whatever. With No one wears Christmas Carol Halloween <laughs> costumes. You can wear Muppet costumes if you want. I mean, How I about this? If you put up a holiday display and somehow manage to make it this movie, would that be okay? I want a picture of it, and I want you to send it to me. My my email is latchkeymovies at (laughs) gmail.com because I seriously would pay money to see a Muppets Christmas Carol village. Yes. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That would just make my 2020 right there. (laughs) But it would be appropriate. Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, Well, what do you rate it? Oh, it's five. It's a five. It's five for me. And that's not even like a weighted Christmas rating. No, that's not a weighted Christmas rating. That is simply the rating of this. Straight up five. Yeah. 
which we really, we picked good ones this year. I'm so grateful that our Christmas movies this year were... (laughs) We didn't have to wait them. (laughs) Right? They were joyful and full of what the spirit is supposed to be. Oh, we gave Klaus a five, too. We did. I forgot. Or Claus, I guess. I just can't, when I see it spelled like that, it's Klaus. It's Klaus. It's Klaus. It's fine. Because it was good. Man, we are on a string of, like, high ratings. We need to get some stinkers in here. (laughs) Do we? Do we? We need to get some stinkers. All right, all right, all right. (laughs) I will will, will put up a post on my Facebook page, and I will ask for bad kid movie recommendations. Because we've been too positive. I think that is exactly what this year needed, personally. <laughs> All right. But we can we can cover a few of the stinkers. <laughs> we'll, we'll work them in. Yeah, five stars. This right. one's a five stars. Me too. Yeah. Shock. <laughs> Shock. All right. This episode is coming out right before Christmas. Yes. The week before. A couple days before. I think actually it's coming mm-hmm. out the day of the Great Conjunction, which the Wahoo. Let me double check the calendar. It's coming out the twenty first. Yes, well then that is indeed the day of the Great Conjunction. So in astrological terms, it is the day every twenty years when Saturn and Jupiter, relatively large players in our sky, conjunct. So they, we see them at the same place in the sky. Okay. It's theorized that the great conjunction that happened approximately 2,000 years ago was the Star of Bethlehem. Okay. For reference around what that might look like in the sky. Gotcha. It happens every 20 years or so. And this year's conjunction is the closest it has been to us since 1623, I believe. Did anything big happen in 1623? (laughs) You just need to tell me now. So I actually, I have not finished workshopping that with my historian husband yet. (laughs) Because I always, when... We have these astrological things now. He's like, okay, but I need specific events or, like, times. I need to know what I'm making a comparison to. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, you got to keep me posted. I, 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 I need I, to know what what's happening on the 21st besides this podcast episode. Um, well, <laughs> the Great Conjunction. Well, yeah, I know, but, like, do I need to, like... Go buy a Mormon just, prep pack of food for the end of days, or? <laughs> I mean, honestly, it doesn't seem like it was a big year. Well, there was a plague in Malta. Well, I mean, <laughs> what, what more can we have this year? So. All right. So there you go. I don't have a huge, significant roster of major events in 1623. That's good. I'm just telling you, Great Conjunction, same day. Happy Great Conjunction, y'all. All All right. (laughs) Not really. I'm done. Okay. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. All holidays. All of them. All holidays matter. (laughs) 
God. I saw. I saw. I'm sorry. I, I think did we talk about this already? No, that's holy I shit. I saw like a little comic, and it was it was somebody like working at a store, and they said happy holidays, and the customer said Merry Christmas, and the store worker went back with All Holidays Matter, and I've just kind of been like holding that and hoping that somebody <laughs> does that to me because I can't wait. I really want to do that. <laughs> okay, now that you've put that in the appropriate in context, the context for yeah. me, I feel much better about it in, in, the, in the way that you know it's going to be the Karen who claps back with Merry Christmas, yeah. who is also an All Lives Matter person. Right, right. So that is just... Mm. I know! I want it to happen. <laughs> and this is why we're friends, because it's petty. Petty, 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 and I love it! Me too, mm. me too. All right, guys. Everybody right. out there, have a happy holiday and be safe. All holidays matter. Be uh, safe. <laughs> and we will see you next year. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook. We have a few likes now. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> Latchkey Movies, or you can email us at latchkeymovies at gmail.com. If you would like to call and verbally harangue, we are more than happy to listen to that. That number is 402-885-4875. And if you would like to buy us some celebratory holiday tacos, you can do that at Kofi, ko-fi.com slash briar. Love y'all. Have an amazing 2021. See you then. Bye. Bye.